I'm here in the attic of my rectory. It is huge, and you see uh, big chimneys that are going literally through the roof. They're no longer in use because we have central heating, but when this building was built a hundred years ago, you only had these fireplaces to heat up the house. And so these are all remnants. They're kind of in the way. They're huge, massive stone structures slanted because they're coming from the center of the house and then they uh, branch out to the sides of the roof. So unfortunately that makes this attic a little less useful for um, uh, for habitation or, or other uses. I have one room inside the attic, that's this one, and this is where I have my uh, treadmill. So I build it up here <laughs> because it's such a huge thing. And uh, let me turn it on. This is where during the winter time I can I can start running. Let's see if this works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> so here you go. I can do an entire episode of the walk right here in the attic, but I'm not going to because it's not very interesting. Let me stop this, turn this off. I'm very glad that um, it is now slightly safer to use this thing than it was because it was uh, hooked up to a power outlet that was super old and wonky. And uh, the other day I had um, one of my parishioners, who is also an electrician, uh, walk through the house and look at all the electrical wiring of the rectory because it is in dire need of being upgraded. He saw this situation here with the treadmill and he's like, okay, um, I'll be removing this tomorrow because it's way too dangerous. And then he's going to help me, or actually not help me, I'm probably assisting him while he's going to completely rewire the, uh, the rectory uh, for um, for modern times, because one of the disadvantages of living in a hundred year old house is that well th th this was built in a time where people didn 't have all those electrical devices, and you would have only maybe one or two uh, AC outlets in every room, whereas now I need like the more the merrier you know <laughs> so what we 're going to do is we 're going to bring up some um, like a main power line all the way to the attic. And then since this house only has a wooden, um, it's a wooden construction, so there's no concrete or anything. So it's pretty easy to go from here to the two floors below me. It's much easier. And we're going to do that as well with the data, the data cables. So for now that I'm working from home, mostly, I need more... Uh, wired uh, internet connections in various rooms and uh, f right now I only have two I think on the first floor so not ground level and uh, the rest is wireless but the Wi-Fi cannot reach because it's such a big house it cannot reach all the rooms so he's gonna bring up the data with a, with a cable through the chimney, through one of these unused chimneys, and then we're going to go down. So if I walk to this corner, you can actually, right now I'm above my, what's going to be my little kitchen here, I think. So, well, I probably don't need data in my kitchen, but anyway, from, from this upper floor, you can reach all the rooms below. The rest of the attic is filled right now. It was completely empty when I moved here. And now it's filled with boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff. So I don't know what's in here, for instance. This is... Oh, this is old equipment <clears throat> from the office. Uh, this is Lego. This is, again, equipment that I don't really use anymore. A lot of this... Uh, on the other side, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight boxes of books. All this was still in the office building that used to be my rectory um, about a year and a half ago. And so recently we moved everything here. It took forever. <laughs> it was a, a pretty big operation. Fortunately, got some help again from parishioners. 
We put it all here in the attic, and I'm going to take you down the stairs. I'll close this door. So here, uh, halfway through the stairs, I've got more furniture. These are the dining room chairs, and here are my Lego... It's my Lego tower, so it's a, a old Lego color-sorted as well as the, um, the many, many manuals. Uh, and it's, it's right here. It's cluttering up the hallway. Now here on the first floor, this is where I, I'm going to live. So I moved all the, the work-related stuff down the stairs to ground level. And then what I'm going to do here, I've got four rooms on this floor. Um, this is going to be these are going to be my main living quarters and I, I want to create a separation between work and my private life or my living quarters. Um, so that is going to require some adaptations and that is why all the furniture right now that I have is right here in the hallway. So I've got a, the place where I usually celebrate mass during the week. Uh, it's my little altar. It's not really an altar, but uh, I think it used to be like a TV thing or but it it looks nice and it's uh it's big enough to serve as an altar uh, so this is my little corner this is where i pray the the liturgy of the hours now it is filled with furniture i've got the tv is here there are bookshelves this is a lamp um some paintings and uh i've got all the curtains from the former office here um, and what I hope is that I can reuse them in these rooms, but of course these rooms are slightly bigger than what I used to have, so I have to see if I, maybe I'll have to cut them up or have someone make them, uh, <laughs> adapt them to the size of the windows of this house. Now, all the other rooms where I used to have my, for instance, this is my bedroom. You hear how empty this is? The entire floor was covered in carpet, and it was very old carpet. I think um, in this... No, the bedroom wasn't the worst. The worst was the other room where I had my TV. This one. This was the worst also to remove. This carpet was probably 50 years old, if not older. They had used the, the, the layer of carpet that was <laughs> originally there, that is maybe even older. It could be like, I don't know, 70 years old. They use that as a, um, uh, they turned it around and used that as a, an underflooring for the carpet. So there was, it was so old and so dirty and smelly and it was impossible to clean. So now that it is vacation, this is going to be the theme of, the, of this episode of The Walk, in case you were wondering. I was like, okay, let's, let's not continue everything that we've done for months now. Let's stop. Let's use this, this time, these summer months, to make some changes that are really going to uh, affect the quality of my life, of the house here, and also will help me to be more productive and also to get you know, better rest uh, and also kind of mental rest um, in, in the near future. And this, this had been on my wish list for a long, long time, ever since I came to live here, I was like, ah, oh, I really don't like that carpet. It is, it, not only it's ugly, but it's also dirty. There were like big um, stains in it, and uh, they had this kind of grayish beige color. Ugh. <laughs> so last week, with the help of uh, some friends, we took it all out. And brought it away. Like I think I, I, I went to the, the deposit area of the city where you can dump your, your bigger uh, garbage uh, at least three times uh, with a, a car full of, of old carpet. And now it's, it's, a, it's a wooden floor. And at first I was like, oh, wow, that looks amazing. That looks like uh, something from, I don't know the Middle Ages, and maybe, maybe you can treat this floor and make it look nice. But then I was looking everywhere in the floor you have, they cut holes in it for the 
electrical wiring and also for the water and for all the other stuff. So there are there is damage everywhere. Plus, this house was built um, with relatively um, modest means. And so, for instance, this plank here is already there is a huge gaping hole in it. And that's not a problem if you put some, a new floor over it, but if you would ever want to use the existing floor, you'd have to replace all these different planks. So it's... But anyway, I like the look of it, but uh, next Monday, there's going to be a crew that's going to work here for two days, and they're going to uh, put... Um, what's the word? Uh, the... Uh, oh word is, escapes me in English, uh, laminate, yeah, that's it, so laminate is basically fake wood, or it's, uh, it's made out of, uh, like, a composite wood fibers, and then they press it together, and they print um, it, let's, a wooden structure over it, so it looks a bit like, uh, like wood, but uh, it's much cheaper, and so that's why we had to remove everything from these rooms, that is why all my furniture is currently in the corridors of my house because the room has to be completely, or the rooms have to be completely empty. So I've got, this is, this is the biggest room where I'm right now. This is what I call my Harry Potter common room. So the Hogwarts common room. I've always, this has a, a bit of a, a fireplace. It's not really an open fireplace. This is where they used to have a, a heater and it would connect behind this uh, stone structure. There is actually a chimney. And there's a hole in it in the middle. There's actually this little... I don't think I can open it. This is made from from metal, I think. And this is where the pipe of the heater would go. So I'm still thinking... But when I saw this, with the, the chimney and everything, it's like, ah, oh, this, this feels like a common room. Plus it has these nice slanted windows here on both ends. So... Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to really transform this into a cozy Gryffindor-like um, common room. This is where I'm going to read my books. I'm already looking forward to it. Then, of course, I used to have my a kitchenette down the stairs. But since down the stairs is going to be for work, I wanted to... And the kitchenette is super small because it was actually a room, an existing room in the rectory um, that they cut in half. So it's basically a very small rectangular room with you know, every, all the um, the cooking stuff is on one side of the room, which makes it kind of cramped. This this used to be my Lego room. I used to have the table in the middle. This is where I built the Millennium Falcon, for instance, and Hogwarts Castle. This room is now currently temporarily a bedroom. <laughs> so I put my bed. Everything is open. Even actually, the floor is open here. So I can look, if I remove these planks, I can see the, the pipes of the water. And um, this is, I think I'm looking at the wall, one of the bigger, the outer wall. It's very dirty there and lots of spiders and whatnot. Also, extremely old electrical wiring. This must be from the very first beginning. It's all cut off because this is... You cannot use this anymore. So what we're going to try to do is to, to make a kitchenette in this room. And because it's slightly more of a square, it's easier to make something that is, um, well, easier to cook in. What I've always wanted is a freestanding uh, cooking place. So that, so that I can also record some of my recipes here. I always like to cook, I, I, and I always get requests. Can you post your recipes? Well, this is, I want to make a, a kitchen here that I can also use to film. And uh, yesterday I went to Ikea with, uh, with Inge and Henk, the two friends that are helping me with this whole uh, adventure. And uh, so we looked at all the options uh, for for kitchen stuff, and now I need to decide how I want to have it. Um, so that's this is going to be the Harry Potter room kitchen on the other side. This room in the back, the one with the bad carpet. This is going to be um, my uh, the room where for board games, for instance. So I'm going to put a table here. This could also be a Lego room. Um, so this is basically going to be hobby, uh, and if I've got friends. 
on a big table there. And then this is going to be what, what it was before, and that is my bedroom. It's on the uh, backside of the house. Uh, the only downside is it's next to the tower. So every hour and every half hour, I get the I hear the bells, or well, actually I stopped really hearing them because you get so used to the sound. But this is definitely the quietest room of the house. Um, on the other side, also on the back of the house, I'm near the trees. And, well, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that there is an infestation of these crows that are making so much noise early in the morning. You don't hear them that much in this room. So I'm going to keep my bedroom here. And it just gets a new floor. And once all this furniture is back where it belongs, I'll post some pictures on social media, that's when we're going to remove the final carpet. So the, the this old grimy carpet is still here in the hallway. And it leads, among other things, to this super old-fashioned toilet. So this is the worst. It's a bathroom. And it is super tiny. It, it looks like it's built probably in the 70s, looking at the... It's, everything is kind of brown. It's way too small, and it is uh, really in need of renovation. So that's the final thing on my list. And then, well, all that for the summer months. Go down the stairs to the new offices. Also here in the little small hallway below, uh, I've got all my IKEA bookshelves. This is the kitchenette, so this will be the kitchen for if you have, uh, I don't know, like board meetings. And if you want to do, uh, like the other week, we had a, uh, a barbecue with the uh, team of Tridio. So it's handy to have a kitchen downstairs as well. And this is, this is my new um, working quarters, and I'm super excited about it. I'm already using... Um, the two desks. So I've got two desks near the window here, opposite of each other. One is my editing station with a huge, super widescreen monitor. This is where this is also the most powerful computer. Here on the left is an i7 with you know just uh, was built last year I think. So I use this for for my TV to edit my TV shows. On the other side, this is what I'm super excited about. Um, I built my green screen set. So this is where I sit. Behind me is a collapsible green screen from Elgato. So right now it's up, but I can just push it down. And this mechanism will completely retract it so it's on the floor. <clears throat> it's against the wall, or mostly, almost against the wall. So you don't, once it's down, it doesn't really... You don't even notice that there's a green screen. And then I've... Um, I've built up the rest, so there's my roadcaster here on the right side of my uh, desk. This should be a video. <laughs> it would be so much easier. But anyways, I've got the roadcaster here. It's, a, it's actually a quite small uh, desk, but it's so I really need to puzzle how to, how to get everything on the desk. It's the old office computer that we were using for administration, but it's actually an i5, so it's, it's pretty powerful, and it can totally... I can do some light editing on it and definitely audio work. And then um, I've got a monitor in the center. Above it is my Canon M50, the one that I've bought uh, with the, you know, with the help of the patrons. And it has a small, I think it, the brand is Parrot, but this is like a Chinese version of, uh, it's a, a small um, teleprompter. So I use my iPhone. It's a very nifty system. So you write a script. Uh, you upload it or you load it with your uh, with the iPhone and I've got an app unfortunately it's only available for iOS in its current version and it will mirror the text to and I've got a semi-transparent or actually a transparent mirror and I'm filling through the mirror and the mirror itself is showing me the text of the whatever video I'm recording the script uh, what makes this app so cool is that it it has voice recognition, and so it hears what I'm reading, and it scrolls up automatically. But if I slow down, it also slows down. Um, it's a fantastic app. I'm so glad that I'm finally able to use it, and I've already recorded two Star Wars videos. What it helps me to do is to make videos that are much more concise. So if you want to do a tutorial or just an op-ed, uh, like a 
basically an opinion about something, uh, I have a tendency to meander when I talk and to, you know, just go on and on and on. This helps me to stay on topic and also not to forget anything that I want to say. I'm not going to use it for everything. So I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to script the walk, but for these smaller videos, it's a fantastic solution. And then uh, on both sides, this is brand new, are two Elgato Keylight Airs, and they're flat, flat little um, lights, LED. It's got a diffuser, so it's, it basically looks like a white square, and it's on a stand that you can just place on on the desk itself. It's pretty heavy. And so I can also move this to other places. So in case I want to build something with Lego and I need some light, always light is always my problem when I'm streaming. I can move these lights and the camera as well, and uh, uh, you know have a have decent lighting. These are small. This there is also a bigger version. These are the the low budget versions. So I think they're about 129 a piece. Which may seem like a hefty price, but for this kind of sleek signal, what makes this so cool and, and the reason that it's expensive <clears throat> is that these both have Wi-Fi built in so they can connect to an app. And so you can uh, automate a lot of the lighting combinations so sometimes. And you can turn them from cold light to warm light. Uh, there are many different options for this. And uh, I'm super happy with it. There are some bigger versions those are, I think, uh, almost 200 bucks a piece. Uh, that would be a bit overkill, probably. But <clears throat> I'm already so excited with these that I do not... Uh, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to get another pair if, I, uh, if my ambitions are, uh, are growing. <clears throat> so that's this place here uh, on the other side. of This is a quite a big rectangular room. Um, I set up a... a, a some old bookshelves or from from Ikea they're kind of chestnut brown nice warm brown color and what I'm doing is I'm <clears throat> going to accessorize this uh, this is going to be filled actually it already is I've got some Harry Potter stuff so I've got the 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 Hogwarts train here in Lego on this shelf I put like hobbit houses and I've got all the Tolkien books here on the left and then on uh, there's a big room here uh, or big space in the bookshelves and i put little baby yoda that i bought in amsterdam here and then two biker scouts surrounding i already bought these biker scouts uh, i think two years ago when they were on sale for i don't know like eight bucks a piece they're pretty big puppets and they're actually the same size or the same scale as baby yoda and of course you know if you've seen the mandalorian you've seen that one episode where these two biker scouts have captured baby yoda and so i've created this little scene where you have these two biker scouts pointing at baby yoda and discussing with each other it looks amazing i'm so uh, uh, it's really really cool so i would like to use this as a backdrop for you know smaller shows or videos maybe even talk shows where i have guests <clears throat> right now, there's this big dining room table here in the middle. That is way too big. That, I want to bring that one upstairs for board games. And I'm thinking of getting a, a round a circular table here in the middle uh, that is much more small. But on camera, it will probably look very good. And it helps me to make different configurations. With a rectangular table, you're always stuck with the, you know, the size of the table and the position of your cameras. With a round table, you can probably... Um, choose different angles and get different looks for these videos. And I've got my big Hogwarts castle here on top of a, a really useful cabinet that I use for all my... This is the equipment that I do use. So I've got lamps and audio equipment, all that. That's one of the advantages of moving and, and uh, uh, rearranging everything. You go through everything you have, you sort it out, and you make sure that you can find everything. So... Right now, I'm pretty happy with this uh, uh, big studio slash editing room slash podcast room. Then here in the former sunroom, it's still a sunroom, very light, uh, lots of plants here. I've got, I'm growing my uh, herbs here. So I've got, uh, um, uh, what is it? Um, uh, well, anyway, different types of herbs. 
<laughs> I don't know the English names for those verbs. Plus, I've got a work desk for Inge. If she works on administration, for instance, then we have everything here in this one corner. And some Billy bookshelves behind her for, you know, all the paperwork that we, you know, that is part of our... Uh, um, our, our operations. And from here, you could go outside and you step into <clears throat> the backyard. And this is where <laughs> I can finally start to walk after half an hour. <laughs> so, this whole um, operation of uh, moving my stuff upstairs, the floors, I probably also have to uh, do some painting or have, ask someone to repaint some of the walls. It really required all my time. Well, not all my time, but definitely a lot of my focus for the past two weeks. But I was con I was convinced that if I didn't focus on it right now, it would never get done. That's one of my big frustrations of my previous the, the rectory where I lived uh, previously is that because of the just the ongoing pressure of work, um, it never really turned into the living quarters that I that I hoped it would be. So I would have these light bulbs on the ceiling. Just light bulbs. And that was it. And I was like, ah, I'm going to do that next month. <laughs> but, and I'm not an electrician, so I didn't know how to do it. So for years and years and years, I've had these light bulbs. And even when I moved, they were still there. That was the symbol of um, maybe some things on, on my wish list that I sacrificed for work. And now I'm getting to the point uh, of, this, of this episode of The Walk. I'm doing a lot of... I've, I am doing a lot of soul-searching lately, thinking about uh, what, the work that I do, how, what, how I want to live my life as a priest, my mission, and... The reason is, originally, and you know a little bit about it if you've listened to previous episodes, is fric that I, I, I experience friction on a number of, or on some levels. Friction with the parish. Um, that has actually not improved directly, but it has escalated a little bit. So two weeks ago, I went to see the pastor of the parish. And... Because I noticed that he was frustrated with me. I was frustrated with him, to be honest. Um, and so we spoke for an evening about well, why do we have, why do we feel that tension? Why the friction? And it turns out that, and I did not realize that, that he was not aware of my situation as a priest in the parish. Small airplane. The, uh, the, the he's, he's only been here in Amersfoort for about, well, I think a year and a half, maybe two years now. Um, whereas I've been here since, since I studied in Rome. And my uh, appointment in the parish has changed quite a bit, because, mostly because of my media work that was expanding and growing and more, became more and more demanding for me. And so... At one point, the bishop decided to uh, relieve me from my duties as a pastor and then relieve me also from the duties of being part of the pastoral team. And I uh, was appointed as a, an assistant priest, which means I assist, I help whenever I can. But media is my primary mission, and so the parish work was kind of lightweight. I had a, a couple of uh, parish churches where I went every weekend to celebrate the masses and people were happy and so was I however uh, with the advent of the new pastor they've also added a second parish to uh, the work field and the total surface of these two parishes covers whew, I'm bad at estimating but more than a hundred square kilometers or miles or whatever. It's a huge, huge area. So if you go from one part of the parish to the other, it takes you more than half an hour by car if you take the highway. 
So <clears throat> it is vast, and most of the new parish consists of smaller villages. So they each have their own small kind of <laughs> communities. Not all of them are doing that well. And But he was under the assumption that I was a parish vicar. So that he could basically tell me what to do. <laughs> Whereas I, I was under the assumption that he understood that I'm just assisting in this parish. But my main mission is what is always has should have priority and that was where a lot of the friction came from because uh, he felt that as a parish vicar I should just be you know an integral part of the of the team and also that he could basically send me everywhere and uh, in the past I've objected to uh, some of those decisions I'm like well that is taking too much time or sometimes you have these um let's say, problem places where, especially in the new parish, uh, they sometimes are, in a certain way, they're still stuck in the past. In in my own parish, I've worked for years and years to um, optimize the liturgy and make sure that they're following the rules. And in the, But in the other, in the new churches, oftentimes, I have to police what they, what they prepare. So they present me with a liturgy, and I was like, well, we can't do that. That is against the rules. And so th- that is taking a lot of energy to do that. So I objected to a number of these, uh, uh, these tasks, and I said, you know, I'm, I can't do that. I don't have time for that. And it's also mentally, it's, it's very uh, taxing to have to deal with these conflict situations where you have to constantly kind of nudge people in the right direction and it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of time to be honest and I don't have that time so I don't want to go there and he did really not appreciate that because he felt that well I had to carry my part of the of the burden in a certain way so anyway once we discovered that that was the real issue then I was okay well we need to solve this and the only reason that I, the only option that I see is that um, we ask our bishop and have him explain what he wants. Because after all, as priests, we work under his uh, authority and also in his name in a certain way. That's how I see my mission as well. Wow, look at how big this corn is now. Last time I walked here, two weeks ago, you couldn't see the corn above the flowers. There's a patch of uh, field flowers here, blue and yellow and purple and orange. I love the orange ones. <sighs> Beautiful. And then, but these were taller than the corn, and now the corn is like twice as high, twice as tall. Amazing. Oh, I'm so glad with all these field flowers. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Anyway, so. Uh, and I, I also was like, let's use this tension or this... When, when there is conflict in life, it's usually because it is touching on, on things that are very important to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't feel stressed about it. I did feel stressed over the past few weeks. And so I've been really trying to explore this feeling of why am I frustrated with the situation? What is, it's not the work. It's not the amount of work. But it touches upon something deeper. And I need to find out what is truly bugging me. And uh, and then make arrangements. Change it. Change change it. But instead of... And this is why I started with this whole um, refurbishment of my house. If you just keep things the way they are, you're constantly going to have this feeling of like... Uh, I wish I would take time to install new floors and look at how dirty this carpet is. And sometimes you just have to stop. And it's like, okay, what I've been doing to get me here will not get me to where I want to go. <laughs> so if I just let this, let this parish situation be as it is, I'm constantly going to feel this tension and it's just not productive. 
Um, and then you're trying to basically run away from it or find other ways to distract you or compensate for, for the frustration. But it's not, that is not the best solution. It's much better to go back to, well, who am I? What is my mission? And uh, is this something... I have to step aside here because there are some bikes that I want to pass. There you go. It's a small path here. And yet another bike. And there's some puddles here because it's been raining quite a bit in the past few days. Um, so it's, it's, it's like a reset. Now is the time to focus on this and to fix it. So I've been thinking quite a bit. Uh, after I've had a, I've had a, a session with, uh, with Cliff Ravenscraft where he challenged me to think about, well, what is it you really want? And how can you rearrange your life and take the decisions in such a way that you, um, that you, that you create maximum room for your creativity and for the, for the things that you really want to do? Oh, we've got some, some dogs there. <laughs> some, there is one dog that is walking freely, and then there are two smaller ones in a, in a carriage of, the, of this lady. And I think the smaller dogs are super frustrated that they can't walk outside. <laughs> okay, we've got some kids here with a mom and some bikes again. Let's see. Very well, we still have to do social distancing, of course. But on these small paths, it's kind of hard. In the Netherlands, no one wears masks except for in, um, in uh, um, public transport. There it's uh, compulsory. But in day-to-day life, you don't really see masks that much. We have a very low infection rate right now. So, so far, so good. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if after people come back from their summer vacations we'll get another spike um so but what was i saying (laughs) oh yes cliff challenged me to rethink in so what is the reason uh for the things that i currently do is it really what you want to do well for part of it is part of it absolutely not and i i think i've 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 fallen behind on some of some of my life goals um, and and greatest desires, uh, and instead I'm filling my life with just day to day stuff. Why am I doing that? Well, because I want to run the business. <laughs> I need to provide funds for myself because I have to pay my own wages, and also for the people that I employ. And that's why I feel always compelled. Uh, uh, obliged to just do the things I've always done for the past 10 years uh, so Cliff challenged me to rethink that and just first start with well, okay what do you need in terms of financial stability how much is that so very specific how much is that per month how much do you need I think it's about 5,000 bucks if I'm very um, let's say a very very rough estimate so if I can somehow make 5,000 bucks a month Everything's covered. Living expenses, uh, housing, etc. And so he's like, well, but why don't you try to find something that will um, earn you this, these, these wages in a much shorter amount of time? So try to find something that has a high yield in a certain way with less of your effort. <clears throat> and, and try to think outside the box. Don't, don't just... Try to nickel and dime. I'm, I'm interpreting what he said. But don't try to nickel and dime your uh, the, the current stuff that you do. But think more radically about, well, what is it that you could do that only takes a bit of your time but gives you that financial stability, basically gets the money out of the way and it frees you up to be really creative and to pursue your dreams or your dream because it's all about focus, of course. And... Uh, that really got me thinking. Uh, I don't have the solution yet. I don't know exactly what it is. But I do know that 
he's right about uh, you want to spend most of your time on what you're what you excel at what is your true dream your where your true passion is and if you're just working to gain your to make it to the end of the month many of us do that and in some cases you I'm, I'm not sure if there's always an alternative for that it also depends on the situation and the opportunities but in my case I do believe that with creative thinking there is a way to make some more radical changes and to uh, one, one other thing that he said is if you well basically this is quote uh, if you the, the things that you did to get you this far are, <laughs> are not the things that are going to bring you to what you really want or to the future so basically where I am right now and the things that I do right now um, if, if I want to ch- make big changes and uh, run towards something instead of running away from my current frustrations with uh, some aspects of my life if I really want to have that positive goal uh, that, that also generates energy instead of taking it away then it is imperative to also make changes and maybe even stop doing certain things that you do just because you, well, that's, that's the way you did it so far. But it didn't get you to where you want to be. So I, I understand the logic. Um, coming up with you know, new ideas and rethinking the situation, that's a lot harder to do. Um, that's, hence, hence the soul searching. Let me turn to the left here, to the Weldammer Lawn. This is a road through the countryside. We've got a nice, beautiful hobbit-like farm here. Two sheep. Actually, you're still lambs. They are not fully grown yet. And they're uh, just staring at me. <laughs> I love this little farm. The white exterior, red doors, and then the green uh, windows. Green, yellow very bright, very colorful, lovely. Um, so, but I am glad that I give myself permission to take the time to rethink the situation. Um, for, for my parish work, for instance, one of the things that I am um, going to do, or actually already have done, is uh, I think I've hinted at that in the last episode. So I've written to my bishop and to his staff, uh, a, a very short summary of what I think the situation currently is, with a request that they change my uh, appointment, in a sense that right now I'm working for 80% uh, in, in the media, in the various media, be it television or internet, YouTube. Um, and I kind of describe how much that has evolved and grown over the past two years. So the, the last change was to go to basically 20% parish assistance, 80% media work. But that was at a time that I didn't even make my own TV shows. Now I'm producing everything. Um, look at the, the whole new dimension that for me is, is also extremely gratifying and encouraging is this pastoral dimension of my work. Ever since I started to do the... Uh, the Mass for Geeks, the International Mass, um, I come across people that have not been in a church for years, sometimes decades, and that are somehow touched by participating, even though it's just digitally. But it, 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 it starts to... Things start, start to move. And so they approach me with questions, with um, the desire to be part of a community and to have to be accompanied on their walk through faith. I've got my Discord community that is uh, growing rapidly. Um, more, people, more, more and more people also feel free to ask questions about faith. And I was like, I, I want to have more time to accompany these people because it's a pastoral aspect of the media work that is ultimately why you do this. So looking at, well, what is your core motivation? Is of course, I want to help. I want to be uh, like a travel companion, a fellowship member. 
of this internet community. And in many ways, this is a form of of a parish. And so, I, and that was the big kind of, that's where it clicked in my mind. I was like, this is in fact comparable to specific types of pastoral care that we have in the church. So we think it's very normal to appoint a priest, for instance, for the care for the uh, people at sea, uh, or the itinerant, uh, itinerant people, or migrants, or the homeless. Uh, we have these... Um, it's a big tractor here. So they're working... That's probably all ready for the harvest. Although this corn here on my right side is definitely not harvestable yet. Maybe another month. Um, the, uh, the the this, the specific types of pastoral care have also been institutionalized in the Catholic Church. So I have colleagues that are appointed to work, for instance, in the army. And it's because it's tangible, um, there is, there is a, we, we created a structure to support these pastors. What I think now is that what I do now with Mass for Geeks, with uh, this uh, increased interaction with my YouTube community, which is large, it's very large, it's, it grow, has grown within a few months from... 25,000 to, to 27,000. It means that 2,000 people in the past, what is it, two, three months, have decided to subscribe to my channel. They appreciate my content so much that they've clicked that button and wanted to be part of the people that follow me. 2,000 people that decided that. I mean, if there was a parish in the Netherlands that would grow in the time span of three months, with 2,000 new members, then that would be all over the news. <laughs> you know, all the, all the bishops would, you know, convene and ask themselves, well, what is happening there? What is the secret of this? The thing is, it's happening on the internet, in my case. And so a lot of it is invisible because, well, my bishop, uh, staff members, even my own pastor here in the parish, my parishioners, they don't dwell in these internet places uh, they have no idea of the work that I do that, that became clear to me in the conversation with my pastor he has no idea what I'm doing and <laughs> it's my suspicion that he doesn't really care that much what I do he doesn't care for this type of work or for the internet or for YouTube and so from his point of view I'm just basically a priest who is evading all the difficult things and just wants to do what is uh, pleasing, what pleases him, the easy stuff. But he doesn't see the incredible amount of work and effort that I put in this type of pastoral care. Now, that is why I asked my bishop to please consider uh, changing my appointment from, uh, you know, 80% media work to 100% media work. I can still assist in the parishes, but it would make it much clearer, I think, what my core mission is. And it would give me, um, in a certain way, more autonomy to develop this because it's an expertise. And it feels, and that, is, that was one of the tensions that I felt, it feels wrong that someone who does not understand at all what I'm trying to do with these you know, internet masses and with the YouTube videos, that that person has control over 20% of my time. And <laughs> no, <laughs> I think this is, this is my job. This is my expertise. And also, I feel that if you want to expand upon the things that you really want to do, and this is this, this pastoral aspect of my media work has has. Is, is dear to me, very dear, and, and really, um, I think, is a, is, a, is a translation of my way of being a priest. This is what I've always done. This is where I'm, I'm good at this, I'm, and I'm helpful to people, and it is bringing together 
and it's not about the quantities, of course, because it's incomparable parish and this this kind of um, internet parish that I have. But there's still real people on the other side of the screens, and that have real questions and real issues, and and are looking for a real community, even though that community does not gather physically. It doesn't make it less real. And so it's that community that I want to be a shepherd for. And that is what I've asked my bishop. I have no idea if he's going to, uh, to do that. I've uh, also added, you know, that I would love to have a conversation about this with him. This upcoming Monday, I'm going to have a conversation with uh, the chancellor of the diocese. This is just a yearly meeting that I have also with the, um, one of the financial people of the diocese just to talk about current affairs and uh, since there is also this, this business arrangement between me and the diocese uh, they always want to know if uh, uh, well if we can pay our bills <laughs> but I'm also going to bring it up there I don't expect an answer there I think that's probably going to be relegated to the uh, bishops and 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 we have two auxiliary bishops that are also involved in these kind of decisions, maybe other staff members. But I really hope that they will um, that they will free me up for this. One <laughs> one thing that I added to sweeten the deal in a certain way is that I uh, told them that I would pay for it. I would pay a hundred percent of all my costs. So basically, what and I think I can because because of this refocus on uh, and rethinking um, the the whole process of, of of financing what I do. I think it is possible to come up with work with a type of service or whatever it is that will uh, bring together the 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 five thousand bucks I need to live. Uh, and to pay the rent and to to eat um, and and yet have all the rest of the time available for you know the 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 core of the mission um, i don 't think that the parish is 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 a necessary in that equation. Um, it is only twenty percent of all the costs, so I can easily come up with something that will yield a little bit more money uh, that can uh, take away the necessity because that 's kind of the the issue that I think um, Cliff helped me see is that I, I do a lot of things not because I want to, but just because I feel that, well, I, I, need to, uh, I need to pay the rent. I need to pay my wages. That is not the best motivation in life. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think taking away the money from the decision by saying, well, hey, we can pay for that. I'm even now in this current situation, I think that we, we can probably make things work. It will mean that I have to do more work myself. But at least it's work that I really love to do. So, uh, and then I think, uh, well, well, we'll see. It's possible that the bishop will say, well, no, I want you to stay attached to these two parishes for 20% of your time for reasons. <laughs> in that case, well... I'll have to think it through. Um, and, and, and in that case also, obedience is part of my vocation as a priest. In that case, I need to well, rethink the situation again. But it's, we're not there yet. If you don't try, you'll never get results. So this is what I've proposed. This is what I've offered. And we'll see. We'll see. We'll take it from whatever the bishop decides. I don't expect a decision anytime soon because it's summer holiday time but uh, at least I've I've done what I could to change the situation the second thing is I'm uh, I'm thinking about uh, uh, new new ways to uh, to to do the whole streaming of the masses in a more efficient way um, and I came to a pretty radical decision <laughs> radical conclusion the other day it's like right now I'm streaming two masses on Sunday each Sunday it's the parish mass and it's uh, the international mass in English if you ask me what where's your heart where are the results it's the international mass 
I've, I really enjoy doing that. I love the community. It is definitely catering to a need. It's not a huge audience, but it's also because I haven't had the time to grow the community around that. Um, but the, it's, it's striking how interactive this relationship with the community that attends these masses has become. So many prayer requests, personal exchanges. I've, I, I got email every week from people telling me that they've discovered this international mass and how much it has touched them. And the people that write me, almost no exception, are people that have not been to church for decades. And now they want to be part of this community. They want to, you know, they create room in their lives for, for liturgy, for prayer. How amazing is that? Every week. I've never had that in a parish. So the, what I notice is I want to, again, focus more and improve this whole concept. Because I feel that this is, this is what I'm called to do. The other mass in the morning is much more service to the existing parishioners. It's because we still live in corona times. Not everybody dares to go to mass. We want to at least have one mass. And when I say we, I mean most of the, well, some of the parishioners and me. Again, I have the feeling that not everyone in the parish um, really appreciates the, the, the benefits of doing that. Which makes it also a bit... Um, harder to, to, to be motivated for this. If you don't get the support of the pastor, for instance, well, in this case, he's, no, he's not unsupportive, but it doesn't really, it doesn't matter that much to him. So, I think if I would ask him, uh, do you really think it's worth spending all that energy uh, transmitting mass on Sunday morning? He'd probably say no, because there's mass on television. And for him, it's like people that can't go to church, they can also watch Mass on television. For me, it's much more of community-building uh, activity for the local communities. But anyway, um, what I've noticed is that it is hard to do both well. We're using these um, pan, tilt, and zoom cameras uh, that are quite intricate devices. You have to... Uh, be really knowledgeable uh, of uh, how they work and so um, with now that we do the international mass as a tridio uh, initiative I need Inga to to focus on that for the parish I can't be a celebrant of the mass and be a camera operator uh, so now that I do the bulk of these masses uh, I've got a fly in my eye here. These little thunderstorm flies always... I think I crushed it. Now half of the fly is in my eye and half is on my fingers. Great. Let me get my handkerchief, see if I can get it out of my eye. I mean, I've, as a human being, there's such a huge surface to fly into. Why do these insects always fly into your mouth, into your nose, and into your eyes? I have no idea. Okay, well, I'm going to give up. Uh, anyway. Hi. Hello. Another curious dog sniffing out my microphone. Um, so what I felt last week... Again, it was... A, 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 I think it was on Wednesday morning. I was so depressed about this. It was like, ah, now we have to work with volunteers, parish volunteers. And so we, we were trying out stuff the other week. And, and Inge just noticed that it is much harder for people that are not very familiar with the liturgy to make the right camera choices. Uh, not to mention that setting everything up with our current equipment still is something you cannot delegate. It is too technical to ask regular parish uh, volunteers. So it's basically still costing two hours, two extra hours, two hours of my time 
to set up everything so that a parish volunteer can be, you know, uh, can, can man the cameras. That is not a good investment of my time. And I'm noticing that it's wearing me out. So, on Wednesday I was talking about this with Inge and I was like so frustrated. I was like, ah, what can we do? This has to stop. And again, it was an invitation for me to start thinking, well, why... What is the, where's the friction? The friction is in the fact that what we come up, what we came up with as a solution is not sustainable, and it still requires my time for the most mundane technical things. Um, that is a waste of my time, literally. Is there, instead of just throwing it all up in the air and just quitting, is there another solution? Oh, look at that purple minivan here. Is that one of those old Volkswagens? Yes, it is. How cool. Sometimes I'm thinking I wish I had one of those and just be able to tour the world with it. Because <laughs> you can sleep in these things. Um, <clears throat> oh, a little child here in the garden yelling for his mom. Uh, can I find a, a another solution so first positive choice is again something I've learned recently don't run away from something but run towards something so running towards international mass need full focus all my time that I've budgeted for this project I want to have it available so all the other the noise in a certain way I need to eliminate it completely so from that positive choice I'm like okay how can I completely um, separate the technical aspects and the camera stuff from, um, from my duties as a priest on, on Sunday morning? Because otherwise I'm not, just not going to be able to, to sustain it. And I'm thinking, well, it means that basically we can't use these cameras. Because it's too complicated. And it's running on a Mac, on my computer, on my software. <laughs> that is not a good situation. You can't hand it over like this. And then all of a sudden it hits me. Well, what if I put um, a laptop in the church? I connect it to one 4K Logitech Brio webcam. So a webcam with a pretty wide angle um, that captures the altar, the choir, and everything in one shot. And because it's 4K... And that's kind of where it's still I need to figure out if it's possible. Because it's 4K, you can take smaller cuts, smaller crops of that image. And it would still function very well for a webcast because uh, streaming video is usually just 720p. So it's even lower resolution than uh, HD. So from one 4K image, you can probably create four or five maybe even six virtual cameras it's still the same perspective but that's kind of what it is right now with these two uh, PTZ cameras uh, they are both very close to one another so you don't shift perspective that much so anyway there's, there's a way to do this with just one camera one laptop and with free software so I think I can use Streamlabs OBS, which is a, a fork of um, OBS, which is used, for, it's a, what is it, software, free software, developed by the community that uh, most streamers are using. Streamlabs make it, makes it even easier to uh, stream to various platforms. Um, so that's what I try, what I'm going to try to do is just make it completely mobile. The only other technical issue is that we need to get the sound from the sound system into the laptop that we're using to stream but that's all solvable it would require probably the investment of a couple of hundred bucks for, for a simple laptop and a camera and then it i can totally hand it over because you, <laughs> that's the cool thing about uh, the software of obs um, there are hundreds of thousands of tutorials it's pretty simple. Once you set it up, it's easy to operate. 
and you can write a manual for volunteers. And then that way, it is a one-time investment, setting it up, maybe acquiring another webcam or a laptop, and then I'm done with it. And that way, there's a train, walking past the train tracks again. That way, I would have all my time uh, and energy to focus on the evening mass, on the international mass. That's where my heart is right now. So that's what I got to follow. Um, so anyway, that, that, that this is a time of, uh, of rethinking to school pupils heading probably for school. It's not yet vacation in this part of the Netherlands. Soon it will be. But that's, that's just one of the many ways in which I'm kind of rethinking uh, what I do uh, and, and daring to change, to make changes. And it's better to stop and spend some extra time in, uh, in changing up the situation rather than spending all that energy in, in running away from stuff that you don't like and, uh, and that is not productive and does not yield energy. That's what I wanted to share with you today as I pass underneath the highway heading for the railway station and from there it's only uh, five minutes to my rectory and that's where I'm going to record the other two podcasts of this week. So thanks so much for listening. If you're a patron, thanks so much for your support. If you want to help with these new endeavors, patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.